You are listening to Sustainable Sounds. Sustainable Sounds is the podcast from the Fife branch of the Scottish Green Party. Teo McLeod talks to those who are making a difference. Check out the Scottish Greens website at greens.scot. Hi, David Hansen of the Fife Branch of the Scottish Greens and for the Sustainable Sounds podcast. Hello and welcome to Sustainable Sounds, the brand new podcast by the Fife Branch of the Scottish Greens. I'm Theo McLeod and I'm sat via a Zoom link here today with David Hansen. Hey, David. Hello, pleased to uh, speak to you. So, David, I know you from being a member of the Fife Green Branch here in Kokodi. Some people might not know who you are or what your role is within politics. Can you give us a bit of background to yourself, please? Yes. Um, so my name is David Hanson, and my official role is Secretary of Fife Greens. What the secretary is, is the person who's in the background doing all the things which need to be doing, but which aren't particularly exciting. So I arrange meetings, I write minutes of meetings, I arrange for events to happen and things like that. And I pull all the pieces together. And I I take the view that if anything goes wrong, then it's my fault. And if anything goes right, then somebody else will take the credit because that's the way that a lot of backroom roles work. And it's something which I've done the role of secretary for two or three years now. Is that your only role within the Green Party? Um, No, it's not my only role. I also, um, for the past six months or so, have had a very long title, which is co-convener of the Elections and Campaigns Committee. And what that means is that on a Scotland-wide basis, I help organise the elections and campaigns. So elections, we've had our Holyrood election last year. Um, We've got council elections coming up this year. And there's also the possibility of an independence referendum, which would be something which the elections and campaigns committee would is responsible for. And we're actually planning for at the moment. We work with all the various other parts of the Scottish Green Party who do things. So we'll work with a group of MSPs, councillors, and other things like the finance and fundraising committees. So we link everything together. Um, So that's a very different role to being a, a branch secretary where I'm just involved at the Fife level. How did you get involved in these particular roles? How, how does one become a co-convener or a secretary? I joined the Scottish Green Party in 2015. I'd been interested in politics for a long time before then, and I'd been involved in environmental campaigning for many years. I still am a, a member of Friends of the Scotland, and 
essentially what I'd be doing is lobbying politicians from outside the system. I would work with politicians from any party about a particular issue. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that to help make change in the political system, you have to also be working inside the system rather than just being on the outside, knocking on the on the shell. So I looked around that the, the only party which suited me was the Scottish Green Party. So I decided to join the Scottish Green Party. I started off as an ordinary member, just attending meetings, taking part in campaigns and so on. I then found myself more involved and became a member of the committee as just an ordinary member of the committee, the the branch committee does most of the organizing of things. And I then became the secretary, which is um, not all branches have a secretary, but we think it's uh, an important role to, as I say, take the blame for anything that goes wrong and leave others to take the credit for things which go right. Um, Organizing things in the background, Having been a, um, a branch secretary for some years, there's always a call for people to be involved in their national committees, of which the Elections and Campaigns Committee is one. And I didn't duck fast enough, so people said, would you like to put your name forward as a co-convener, David? And I said yes, and so I was then elected as... There are two co-conveners of national committees, at least one who's a woman. They can both be a woman or one woman and one man. So I'm, I'm one of the co-conveners of that committee. And it's been a steep learning curve because the responsibilities are much broader. Before I could just complain about the, you know, the national committees and uh, moan about them now that I'm involved in them, I can't do that anymore. But it brings you to a, a sort of different dimension because I now sit on something called the executive, or, or rather one of us sits on the executive. We alternate between the two of us at executive meetings, which is the thing which deals with meets monthly and deals with actions and making things happen and Fife Green's branch sits on thing called council which sets the long-term strategy for the party and which the executive reports to and normally the co-conveners of a branch go to council and I was the standby in in case one of our co-conveners was not able to go Recently, one of our co-conveners had to step down because of pressure of other things. And so I've now become the person who goes to council as well. So what that means is there are an awful lot of meetings to go to and to prepare for. So that's how I've ended up in the position of being both a a co-convener of a national committee and a branch secretary. So you mentioned that you've been involved with the party for about six, seven years, what, 2015, you mentioned. What was it specifically about the, the Green Party that you that you liked? What drew you specifically to green politics? I've always been interested in the environment ever since I was a child. I used to work in the civil service, and while I was in the civil service, I avoided politics altogether. 
after leaving the civil service, I, I could then express an interest. And my first interest was in transport. So I um, was involved quite heavily in transport campaigning. Transport is just a subset of a more broader range of issues to do with energy and uh, that sort of thing. So I then moved more towards Friends of the Earth in particular, and also helped set up a, an environmental transport campaign called Transform Scotland, which is still going strong. And I then decided, as I said earlier, that to make change, you actually need to be involved in politics. It's very important to be lobbying from outside politics, because that is one way of affecting change. But another way of affecting change is to be involved inside. And that's why I decided to move into the only political party which really fitted with my views and outlook, and which is the Scottish Greens. You can join the Scottish Greens at greens.scot join. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Whereabouts are you based? I'm based in Inverkeething. I've lived there since the late 1990s, no, the late 1980s, <laughs> and been involved in a variety of jobs um, since then. But I actually don't have a huge amount of time for leisure pursuits and things like that, other than the work which I'm involved in, in environmental campaigning and organisations like that. So I have a very nice view out over the 4th, where I watched them building the additional 4th road bridge. Unfortunately, that was something we tried to stop because it was we were told that the existing 4th road bridge was about to fall down. It was not actually the case, as they've demonstrated subsequently. Yeah, major, major transport conversations around the bridge. and There's another issue as well in that, the railways, which is something I've been interested in for a long time, are facing a lot of competition from the road building, which the Scottish government is doing and is still doing at the moment. And that then undermines um, rail services. If you speed up rail services, then more, more people will use them. If you speed up the roads by widening roads or building new roads, then more people will move to the roads. And that's why we've seen a, a shift in the modal share of transport towards the roads. It's not accidental and it's not inevitable. It is simply because of decisions made by politicians to invest in roads. So the A9 is being widened at the moment. There are other roads which are being widened. And Scottish Greens have campaigned against some of these projects in the past and are still campaigning at the moment. People keep talking about how they need to invest in car and road infrastructure because the train owners are so bad, but the train owners are so bad because they are denied investment in rail infrastructure. What we do not need is however millions and billions of pounds on a major train line between London and Birmingham. What we need is millions of pounds invested in the little routes from suburban wow. areas and outside of cities into cities and hubs like Edinburgh from five. I would I would have to disagree with that. Um, I'll come back to that. But certainly within Scotland, what's needed is investment in electrification and some building of 
bypasses to bypass some difficult section. And the Scottish Greens presented a, a year or so ago an idea of building a tunnel under the fourth, coupled with other improvements, which would dramatically speed up rail journeys. And it would also relieve congestion because at the moment, the line through Fife, particularly over the fourth bridge, is at its capacity and you can't run any more trains. If you built a a tunnel under the fourth, the existing line would still be there for all the local services and the express services would run more quickly and be more attractive. And that's exactly the same thing with HS2. What HS2 will do is remove the fast trains, which at the moment reduce the capacity for local passenger and freight services. The fast trains will be moved onto the new line and the existing lines will then be used for local passenger and freight services. At the moment, several of the railway lines are full up with freight services. They can't take any more. If they could get the express trains or most of them off those existing lines and onto HS2, then there would be far more capacity for those extra freight services and indeed the local passenger services. Some of my family live in a place called Polesworth in the English Midlands. And the station at Polesworth's been essentially closed. There's one train stops there a day to avoid having to go through the closure process. And that station was closed and several others have had the same thing happen to them in order to provide capacity for the express services between London and Manchester. What HS2 will do is take most of those express services off the existing lines and provide capacity once again for the local passenger services. And it's the same thing in Scotland, though, with things like building the under the fourth tunnel. It's an expensive project, but building a few expensive projects doesn't mean that you don't do anything on the existing lines. And that is the case with HS2 as well. There's a, an awful lot of money being spent on the existing lines at the moment. If you go into England, there are several places where the lines, line, new junctions have been built to remove bottlenecks which were at junctions. The railway between London and South Wales has been electrified in the past few years. Faster electric trains are running. So it's not an either or thing. It's not build a few new fast lines or spend all the money on local services. You do actually need a, a mix of things and certain lines have got to the stage where all the easy-to-do improvements have already been made. The West Coast mainline is, is a case in point. They've pretty much restored all the track which was taken away in the 60s and 70s. There's almost nothing more that they could do south of Crewe to actually improve their service, which is why HS2 is an important improvement. Exactly the same thing happened with the Channel Tunnel, by the way. They opened the Channel Tunnel and they said, we don't need a new line between the Channel Tunnel and London. The trains can just use the existing line. And it was a, a national embarrassment of the trains going to Paris or Brussels, trundling along the this old southern region lines. And But it was only after they tried this for a few years that they accepted that, no, they had to build a high-speed line and high-speed one was built. And people said when high-speed one was planned, 
that it would cause cows to fall over in the fields, birds to fall out the sky. All sorts of things were going to happen because of High Speed 1. In fact, when it opened, people saw that it was just a railway line and it's blended into the scenery very nicely and nobody would think of not building it now. The same thing will happen with High Speed 2. Hey there, this is Colin McCune, and you are listening to the Sustainable Sounds podcast. So you join us again with our guest musician, Colin McEwen, who will be with us writing a song for our episodes. If you want to know more about Colin, you can listen to episode one of Sustainable Sounds. We have a slightly more in-depth interview with him. But Colin, for those who haven't heard the first episode, can you reintroduce yourself, please? Shall I do? Hi there, I'm Colin McEwen. I'm a musician, singer, songwriter storyteller in song, in words. I live in a tiny wee village called Luthery, which you may have seen as you drive down the A92 and you're not concentrating on the road and you're past it. And I have got a bunch of songs that I've been, I've been working on over many years. And Tav has very kindly invited me to come and do some on his show. So what is the song for today? Song for today is... Save the universe, which is what we're all doing. I wrote this for my son when he was about four. And at that time, I was working as a, I was working as a bus driver. I did, uh, I did late spare in order to be able to then have the mornings to take him into work. So I'd wake up in the morning and he would be left in bed beside me with a telly at the end of the bed, the Star Wars on, and he'd be holding a cardboard tube and I would come to, I'd waken up about 10 o'clock, having got to bed at God knows what time. And he would hand me another cardboard tube, which was for me, which was my lightsaber. And the pair of us would sit and watch Star Wars together while we woke up. I woke up and he'd been awake since about six. So really it's about, the song's really about that desire to be a hero when you're a, the parent of a young child. And it's about... It's about learning, learning from them, if you like, learning with them and growing. And it's, it's a very simple song. It's what a, a woman in the sessions that I go to some years ago called Christine said, she once, we once played it and she nodded her head and said, yes, I like that. It's a nice joiny in one. I thought, well, that's, that's very nice. Christine can play along with it. It's, <laughs> it obviously works. I think more broadly, I mean, I was thinking about this in terms of how to introduce it. I find myself around young people, around my kids, friends, and something in working just now, I sort of find, come across young people who are, who are learning, because this is about learning in a way, although he's teaching me to be a, a Jedi. We have young people right now who are learning stuff. They're learning the stuff that's going to fix the mess we're in. We need heroes. This is a call out to all heroes. How does it compare to your back catalogue? As it fits into my, my opus, my, my oeuvre, it's, it's a kind of, I think it's probably one of the simpler ones. I mean, they're all kind of simple. I mean, nothing's terribly, terribly complicated. It's, it's the one that I would use to just get everybody joined in. It's a join the end one, as Kristen said. It's a join the end one. 
And it's a nice, simple one. And for me, when I'm singing it, it does take me back to a particular time in my life, a time in it, and when we, he was he was 23 now, good grief. So it's very much about that time. There's a number of songs I wrote about that time, and this is one of the ones. And in terms of the, the, the feel of it and how it compares to others, it's, it's, got, it's just happy, it's up, and it's, it's almost joyful and sentimental. Where can people hear more of your music? More of my music? I have Facebook and I also have a YouTube channel. And the address for both of them is Luthrie Lockdown, L-U-T-H-R-I-E, Lockdown. So-called because we, Vaughn and I, who plays accordion with me, we worked on all of this stuff during the lockdown. It's our lockdown bonus. And the garden as well. We dug a little garden. Where can people find out more about you? Well, we will have on the Facebook, we will have listings of what we're doing next and come along when we're playing somewhere and you can ask me questions. So let's listen to the song. I don't want to bounce on the trampoline anymore. I'm feeling dizzy and my legs are getting sore Let's go make some toast, turn on the TV We can watch your brand new birthday DVD And we will save the universe, just you and me Just you and me We'll ride around on our sofa bed Boys time flying machine Take on battle cruisers, death stars Always rescue the queen Hurry up, we'd better get the girls from school You can ride on my shoulders You say that's pretty cool Just you and me
listening to sustainable sounds moving on to community building can you tell us a bit more about the community of green politics within fife the five branch perhaps what is unique about the five greens i don't know that anything is unique about five greens i think we have some of the characteristics of other branches and perhaps there are one or two unique things but um fife is an interesting place because it's a mixture of countryside and town. So the southern part of Fife is and has become in the past 20 years or so a, um, a, a suburb of Edinburgh with lots and lots of little box houses being built all over the place for people to drive into Edinburgh across the congested additional fourth road bridge. And there are also increased train services. When I first moved to Fife, Many people used to go home from work because they worked in somewhere like Resyth. And at lunchtime, they went home, had their lunch, and then came back to work. That's now changed, and lots of people now that work in Edinburgh and other places and no longer able to do that. So Fife has changed somewhat compared to what it is. But in the northeast, Fife is a more rural place and farming is more important. So there's quite a contrast within that. Places like Edinburgh, Glasgow have very large branches. They have lots of people involved in it. Fife has a much smaller number of active members, and that means that there are fewer people doing some of these backroom roles. And it's quite noticeable um, in this sort of countrywide position that I do at Elections and Campaigns Committee to see how well organised some branches are. They have lots of people and other branches need a bit more help because they they simply don't have as many people. So Fife is, is like a lot of places. It, it's relatively small. It has this interesting contrast between town and farming area, which is happens in other places, but it's perhaps a little bit more more pronounced in Fife. What does the Fife Greens aim to do within within the community, within local politics? What are these sort of aims and objectives to the to the branch? Um, any any political party's aim is to get people elected into positions of power, which means councillors, MSPs, MPs, MEPs, while we were still in the EU, and essentially 
a local branch activities are, are geared towards that. That's why you join a political party is to help to do that. But electing people isn't a name just in itself if they then just don't do anything. So the aim of getting people elected is that they can then make change within society, be that as a, a councillor where they make, councillors make an enormous number of decisions on land use planning and things like that. We don't have any councillors in or green councillors in Fife at the moment. And at the next election, we're working hard to try and change that and have some green councillors elected. What we've seen elsewhere, uh, and you can see it particularly in Edinburgh and Glasgow, is when you get one or two green councillors elected, they do a very good job. They're a breath of fresh air from the tired old parties who've been in politics for decades and thousands of years in some cases. And people see the Greens do make a difference. And you then get more Greens elected at the next election. So Edinburgh and Glasgow now have quite substantial groups of Green councillors. Elsewhere, we're still at the lone Green councillor stage. And in Fife and quite a few other councils we don't have any green councils at the moment so the aim is to get people elected but having been elected the aim then is to make a positive step forward in communities in terms of things like devolving decisions on budgets Glenroth is, is too remote to make decisions we would like to see certain amounts of the budget devolved to local communities where people can decide themselves what they want to spend on and people participate in deciding what to spend a proportion of the budget. And this sort of participatory budgeting has been introduced in Edinburgh, I know, and is working very well in terms of determining what the people's priorities are as opposed to the councillors' priorities. Um, that's not suitable for everything. Um, you have to decide what it is you want to have this participatory budgeting being done for. But it, it does make a difference. And people then feel more involved with politics. Politicians are no longer them, but they're more us. And that's an important thing. So who are the key personalities? Who should we be aware of in Five Green politics? In terms of Five Green politics. We have a, an excellent candidate for here who's Ryan Blackadder, who works on the railways and, and has worked all through the COVID epidemic. He will make an excellent councillor, so I would very much like him to be elected. There are other candidates, and we are aiming to have a full slate of candidates so that in every ward there will be a, a green candidate. We need to find more women at the moment because our rules have we have to offer a gender balanced slate. So we have at the moment we're holding some events to try and encourage more women to stand as candidates in the elections. On a more broader scale, I believe Fife has a, an MSP. Yes, Fife has a well Mid Scotland and Fife region, which is Fife and a Stirling and a few other places has a, a green MSP, Mark Ruskell. Mark is possibly unique in that he's been elected more than once. Uh, Mark was elected 
in what I call the rainbow parliament of about a decade ago, something like that, and served the term. And then there was a period when the voters decided that they wanted to get rid of the rainbow parliament. So a number of the smaller parties, like the socialists, were not elected again, and the number of green MSPs reduced quite dramatically. And Mark was one of the people who was put out of that election. At the last election, we worked very hard, and Mark was elected again into Parliament as a, no, sorry, not the last election, last but one election. We worked very hard, and Mark was elected again as an MSP. And then at the elections last year, our objective was to, or our main objective was to get Mark re-elected with a stronger majority. And we achieved that very well. So Mark now has a very solid majority. So um, so it's all up to the voters, of course, but um, we hope that Mark will be in again in, in the future elections. We would very much like to have more than one MSP in the Mid-Scotland and Fife region. And at the last elections, Our second candidate, who's Mags Hall, raised the vote. And so we're very pleased with that result as well, having gone from one person who only got in by a narrow margin to having one person elected by a solid margin. And the second on our list was getting near to the stage of being elected. And hopefully next time we'll get two green MSPs elected in mid-Scotland and Fife. You can join the Scottish Greens at greens.scot slash join. How can people get involved? You don't have to be a member of the Scottish Green Party to be involved. So we run, when we run events, the general public can come along if they want to, find out about what we do. When we do canvassing and things like that out in the streets, which at the moment are suspended, but we might be about to change that. It's one of the things which the Elections and Campaigns Committee are looking at at the moment as the COVID situation changes. If you want to become a member, then you can. there's a, a website called greens.scot, which you can go to, and that will tell you all about Scottish Green Party, what we're doing. You can become a member there. We also have people who don't want to become a member, but will still support us financially and will make donations to us as well because they they like our work but they don't quite want to become a member so there are a variety of ways of getting involved when elections come up and we're approaching an election at the moment we're always looking for people to help us distribute leaflets and things like that and some of the people who distribute leaflets are not members but they're quite happy to help us um, do things like that more specialist things is if you are involved in the party when the votes have been made they then counted in the thing called the count and that's quite a fascinating thing to see and we take members along who um, will observe the counting process all political parties have members at the count to observe the counting process and to see that it's all above board that also has things where you can see the rejected ballot papers where people have filled in the ballot papers wrongly and you have to decide whether it was a valid vote or not. I have to say that the all the political parties tend to agree there are very few disputes about whether a vote is valid or not. It's quite galling when you can see that it probably was a vote for you, 
but within the rules you it can't be allowed and, and uh, I've seen people from other parties um, <laughs> be quite disappointed when that happens and also if people want to get involved then there is a branch committee which is always looking for additional people to help spread the load and if you want to go further then there are the national committee posts as well. Has the Five Green Party got any events coming up? The main thing which we've got to planned at the moment in Five Greens is actually events to do with the council election. So assuming that canvassing is, uh, is allowed again, we'll be looking for people to help us canvass people. Canvassing people can seem quite frightening if you've not done it before, but essentially what happens is we pair people up with an experienced canvasser and somebody who's not done it before. And the experienced people will knock on somebody's door have a conversation with them. And the person who's not uh, not experienced, probably not done it before, will just make a note of the answers that people give. We're asking people questions like whether they would vote for us and things like that, having a conversation about why we would like them to vote for us. And that's the main thing which is coming up at the moment. Depending on the COVID situation, we might then be having public meetings again and we've done those in the past where we've invited the public to a meeting to discuss a particular subject like I don't know the possibility of improving bus services I mean there are some bus service cuts going on at the moment and these some of these meetings come out of the work of our MSPs because our MSPs have a a big post bag of things and they help identify things and if a particular issue is arising in, say, Fife, then we might organise a meeting about that as well. So those are the things which are coming up at the moment. There will be the autumn conference coming up, but that will be in the autumn. There will also be a spring conference coming up, but because of the COVID situation, we're not sure whether that's going to be in person or online. Our autumn conference last year was a hybrid one where... We had one session which was in person and online, and another session the next day which is entirely online. You are listening to Sustainable Sounds. As we begin to wind up, how can people find out more about the Scottish Green Party? They can go online to greens.scot, is the website. And that contains lots of information. We've also got social media channels, which have videos, podcasts, things like that. And they will also contain links to um, how to get involved. Five Branches, always looking for new members. We have a steady growth in members. So our membership is going up and up slowly. And particularly always looking for people who have time and skills to help do things like produce podcasts and things like that you know that's that's a a great skill to have a lot of these things come out as well as elections i mean people are making good at making videos uh, are great at elections people who are good at doing backroom tasks are also quite important there's a lot of data processing type work when somebody has filled in a canvas done a canvas we need to then put that information into our system so we we know where our vote is so there's lots of backroom tasks as well which 
which are all possible as well. So you don't have to be identified as a green. You can do things in the background without the general public or your work colleagues knowing that you're involved in the greens. There are lots of backroom tasks as well as the meeting the public with a green rosette type roles. I've done both in my time and I'm I'm quite happy doing both, but I realise that not everybody is. A shout out for the social media handles. At five underscore greens is the handle for both the Instagram and Twitter accounts. So follow us on that. Lots of enlightening and interesting content. I know this because I am one of the people who puts out the content on Instagram and Twitter. So, <laughs> And I, I like following it as well. <laughs> Last question. What are your hopes and plans for the future? As far as Five Greens is concerned, I hope that we will get several councillors elected at the council elections in a few months' time. That will make a tremendous difference because green councillors really do make a difference in the community. After that, we have the possibility of an independence referendum coming up. The Scottish Green Party believe in doing things at uh, as local a level as possible. And independence fits within that um, as um, doing things more locally. So that would be a hope that I have. I also, personally, living in a country which voted to remain in the EU, I would like to see an independent Scotland rejoining the EU at some stage. We have a great deal of sympathy amongst a number of people within the EU who realise and know that Scotland didn't vote to leave the EU, but was taken out against our will. So that's a a longer-term hope for me. I would also, um, these national committee positions are quite draining. They involve a lot of work in your spare time. So I would like to have a bit of a relaxing few years after my two-year term has ended and just do things within five greens and, and because they're a lot simpler than trying to organise things on a Scotland-wide basis. So that's a hope. Uh, a bit of peace and quiet after my two-year stint in the National Committee would suit me. Let other people do these things. I've done it for long enough. David Hanson of the Five Branch of the Scottish Green Party. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a Half Court Press production by Theo McLeod for the Scottish Green Party. Music was provided by Colin McEwen. Thank you.